It'll be a three-man rush, eight in coverage, three in the end zone. Dalton heaves it down the right side toward the end zone. It is knocked up in the air. A.J. Green makes the catch. Oh, 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 man. A deflected ball winds up in the hands of A.J. Green. The clock hits zero. A 23-year-old Tony Pike waits for the snap. Has the football. Short drop. Lobs one down the sideline for Bins. He's got it. Touchdown. 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 And a high fly ball way back in center field. It is out right here. A grand slam home run for Joey Votto. And this one belongs to the Reds. Get your shirt on. And last I checked, I did. Yes, why? Now a steal by Gary Clark and a breakaway to the rim for a thunderous tomahawk jam. Get you one, big fella. And a strike for Bertoni. And the magical moment belongs to Leonardo Bertoni. He opens the FC Cincinnati account with a goal in the 14th minute. Double dip from the ice cream cone. Welcome back to sports, to baseball more importantly. Was that better this time? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the sound quality is actually going to sound like in a recording. I hate it all. Sounds awesome. I miss being in a studio together. You mean my basement? Yep. So, uh, sports is coming back. Baseball is coming back. And uh, tonight we have special guest Clay Snowden just coming in with us. Uh, we're doing a whole episode with him um, because there, unfortunately, is not a whole lot else to speak about. I know we didn't do an episode for the Bengals draft because who knows if football is actually going to happen or not. Uh, we haven't done any pre-Bearcats football because, again, who knows if it's going to happen or not. Um, as of today, I believe, uh, Buster Only is giving baseball a 5% chance of uh, even happening at all and a 0% chance of the season actually ending. Um, so with that, we bring in myself, Aaron Smith, we got Ed Mayhall as always, and Clay Snowden joining us as our special guest. So Clay, um, before we get into any of the real meat and bones of any of this, because there's a lot to dive into. Um, baseball is back. And baseball is supposed to, well, camps open today, correct? Yes, today was the day that they're opening. Who knows how long they'll actually be open, though. I mean, who knows <laughs> what, if we'll ever see baseball this year. But there is a glimmer of hope. More so than Manfred has allowed us to see prior to uh, last week. Um, And the actual regular season is supposed to start on July 23rd. Um, But camps opened up, and the roster for the Reds was announced uh, two days ago, if I'm not mistaken. Monday. Two days ago. Uh, 57 total roster spots have been announced on on Monday. Uh, There are three open spots and what takeaways did you have? Uh, because we have, I mean, I have the entire roster here, and we can kind of run through it real quick if you want. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily want to read out 35 total names as I'm looking through things. But notably, uh, some of the names that we either 
left off, left on. What were your thoughts on the actual 35-man roster at Um, It's pretty much what I assumed it would be. There's not any huge surprises. You know, most people that you saw in camp and on the 40-man roster, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I'm not seeing anybody on the 35-man summer camp roster, as they're calling it. That's really jumping out as, oh, wow, I didn't expect to see him. I mean, if you're Rule, rule 5, Mark Payton, outfielder fighting for a spot, couple of the non-rosters, Tyler Thornburg, Nate Jones, or, you know, the veteran relievers who've had injury and other struggles trying to find, uh, kind of get back to their once dominant forms. And everyone's familiar with Sal Romano. And then Matt Davidson's kind of that power infielder, corner infielder, who also people are enamored with the fact that he's pitched some. Um, so he's on there as well. Then they also have the 22-man uh, roster. That's kind of more like the non-roster invitees that we saw um, to camp. I mean, kind of the – I mean, Aquino's on that roster. Everyone's favorite red, Scott Shebler, is on that 22-man roster. They also have um, a couple of prospects, Nick Lodolo being the headliner there. Obviously, you see uh, the first-round pick from, what, two years ago, even before Lodolo, uh, you see Jonathan Indy on there. Uh, the first-round pick that we're missing, though, is Hunter Green. Right. Um, as everybody knows, Hunter Green suffered an injury and is still battling back from that. Um, he's still young, too. Everyone just assumes because he was drafted second overall a couple of years ago, he'd be ready by now. And they drafted him young. They knew he'd be a project and not somebody who would show up nearly as fast as Lodolo did when they drafted Lodolo. So Hunter Green, um, we'd love to see him kind of come in and, you know, kind of like how David Price did or Brandon Finnegan, sorry to mention his name, but came in and kind of a playoff role and uh, was inserted into the bullpen. I mean, I guess there's still a chance that could happen, but I would say it's extremely unlikely. I mean, you also saw a name like Mike Lee come up through the organization really quick too. Right, he as far as pitchers go, started right with the Reds, right out of. I think he went to Arizona State, if I'm right. Yes, that's what I remember as well. Yeah. Um, another name that was notably left off, though, of this roster that everybody was clamoring about is uh, one Derek Dietrich. Dee Right. So, my uh, prediction last year before the season started was that Dietrich would be the fan favorite. I thought I had, like, the perfect prediction the first month or two of the season. And then he really fell off due to injury, really. But when he came back, he just wasn't the same. They brought him back into camp when he really didn't get an opportunity from anybody else. And um, he, he, had, he had a good spring um, for the few weeks the spring lasted. And there's still room. There's 57 players of the 60 that they can have, and he's still under contract with the Reds. So he can't, as of today, jump to a different team. Um, a lot of teams are leaving room open because there will be players that are going to be available. And once they're on that roster, I mean, that's who you have for the year. So the Reds are probably just keeping a couple spots open just to have an opportunity in case they want to bring somebody else in. But um, I would in no way be surprised if Derek Dietrich is on that um, roster at some point in the near future. I mean, he has to be on the roster. Sorry. I was just going to say, according according to Mark Sheldon, um, you know, to your point, 
Dietrich is still with the organization, but they left him off to maintain roster flexibility, and he could be added late. Right. He, ha- he has to be on the roster because he hit a-, a bunch of dingers in that uh, wiffle ball game um, that they put on, you know, earlier this year. I mean, I think he, I, I think he was MVP, wasn't he? I actually heard that the wiffle ball game translates to MLB pitching perfectly. So therefore, he's going to actually hit a home run every single game this year. Solid. Nice. Solid. So it would be Um, roster. But talking about that wiffle ball game and kind of, you know, Dietrich as well, as far as that goes, um, that whole wiffle ball game was put on by Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, who has been one to be um, extremely vocal in all of this uh, entire off-season slash COVID slash whatever it is you want to call it. Um, in addition to the fact that he also practiced with Trevor Bauer out in, I assume it was Arizona, it was more of a desert. Uh, just the two of them just pitching and hitting one another. Right, yeah. So as most people who are on Twitter, you'll see Trevor Bauer even if you don't follow him. Um, yeah, he put on that um, wiffle ball game, which was pretty cool to see just a bunch of players just kind of going back to their childhood, just enjoying the game. Um, and Dietrich was there, but you know, a lot of there's high expectations for Trevor Bauer. He came in with that big trade, and a lot of people said, you know, rather you hate or love Trevor Bauer, he has shown talent at times. He also has had years that have been awful. Um, the Reds brought in people from driveline that he's familiar with and they're trying to kind of iron it out and hopefully he can come back and you know really pitch to the form that we've seen at his highest level before we get too much into what we want to see out of guys this year and even guys potentially next year i did want to touch on some of the new rules that are in place for this year um Notably, the the big rules, obviously, no fans, uh, at least in Ohio. I know I did read somewhere that in certain areas that they are allowing uh, just people in general, uh, they are going to allow fans potentially into stadiums, which I feel like that kind of gives an unfair advantage to teams that have that rule allowed for their states as opposed to others. However, I understand the need to try and bring in additional income. Uh, feel free to jump in anytime you want to. There's, I have a ton of rules here, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on. I'll give a little bit of a thought. Different home field advantage. I'll give a little yeah. bit of thought because I, with the whole no no fans rule, NASCAR started that way, and since quarantine, I've become a huge NASCAR fan. All right, I like going in circles and turning left, but. They started off the season with no fans at all in the crowd. And I think in the last two or three races, they've been allowing like 1,500 people in and 5,000 people in or something like that. I mean, those are much bigger venues. Um, but I think baseball could, could possibly do that that sort of same thing. Yeah, so the way that I understood it is maybe I'm thinking I'm getting all my sports. This may be NBA actually, but either way, um, I think it's actually up to the state instead of, like, the actual league to decide that. Um, yeah, so it's not we'll, the NBA because the NBA is all in Orlando. Everything's going to be okay. happening at Then Disney Yeah, World. that must be baseball. I heard that for 
Um, regardless, it's not going to be the same. Obviously, it'll be kind of like going to a Tampa Bay Rays game, if, even if they do allow fans in with so few. But um, it will be interesting to see. Um, it's something that I've kind of thought about. Like, okay, if I was able to go to a game, would I go to a game? And I really don't know that answer. So it's going to be interesting, interesting to see if they do allow fans, if people are going to be – chomping at the bit to go i know that a lot of people will don't get me wrong but i you know i i want to hear your all's opinion would would you go to a game if you could i think i would if it was kind of like the nascar setup where they're only like 1500 fans in at a time i think there's plenty of room for social distancing at that point um and plus you know the seats are outdoors so they're going to get rained on all the time and clean so i don't think we have to worry about that but if they're going to open it up to full capacity, you know that place is going to be packed. So, I mean, yeah. just just think about the bars that we saw in Cincinnati the first weekend that they allowed bars to open again. I mean, there was no social distancing at all, and the same thing will happen uh, if they just let everybody in the ballpark. Well, I mean, and I kind of think, too, as far as if you're allowing people into a venue, even if you're only allowing you know, 1,500, 2,000 even 5,000 fans into the ballpark and it looks like Tampa Bay or Miami or you know, insert whatever team that's garbage in there um, and, you know and you're going to have a high volume ticket at that point or yeah. a high price ticket rather um, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to be showing out I'm on unemployment right now <laughs> I mean I got laid off because of COVID so there's no way in hell I'm, I'm showing out whatever they're going to try and ask for ticket prices. Well, and I think that's what they did with NASCAR is they, they didn't actually, and I could be wrong, but I was watching the beginning of a race and this is what it seemed like to me is they didn't actually make these folks pay for a ticket. I think it was like a contest they entered or something like that. Who the top fans are or, or whatever it is. Um, and then maybe it was a video I saw on TikTok or something, but, um, and that's baseball how won't be that baseball won't be that guy. No, they won't. You're right. <laughs> freaking man but i mean i just looked it up gabp holds forty two thousand three nineteen. so i mean if we put five thousand people in there ten thousand people even maybe social distancing should be in effect but yeah if they're, well, if they're gonna make me buy a ticket then i'm not gonna be able to afford that so i want to make sure that we if don't you uh sell a couple of those mad latos autographs you'll be able to go get even season tickets at that point if you yeah. just sell one or two of those mad latos balls uh the the picture i think is sold uh i think at the I, I thought i was sold it on sunday but i the guy didn't answer me but the picture i'm pretty sure is sold all right well lots 30 lots of rolls to get through we got so many rolls to get through 30 dollars mad latos autograph it's it's that's it's a steal my god comes with a coa universal dh universal dh huge rule change and was it was it bob castellini who came out somebody somebody came out this week and said that the reds were built to have a dh yeah it makes sense get out of here they never built this team to have a dh granted it looks like that on paper but they didn't know this was coming sure they did well my thing with the dh is I feel like it was going to go that way. I feel like people knew it would go that way. I don't think that you build a team before the rule has changed and say, oh, yeah, we're banking on the fact that the rule is going to change. I mean, it was just kind of fell into their lap. Um, it is cool. I actually saw this somewhere. I don't remember who said it, but um, RJ Alanez, I think is how you say his name. He's like a relief pitcher for the Reds, just kind of one of those guys on the 22-man. 
he would have if they never go back to pitchers hitting he would have the last hit as a red in terms of a pitcher so that that's a good obscure stat for you but uh, the DH, I, I'm actually a fan of the DH. I know a lot of people aren't. I simply don't like what, and I've had this argument on Twitter about a month ago with a bunch of people, and some people were like, you know, these old heads coming at me like, I love the strategy. It's like, oh, okay, like, does the strategy outweigh the fact that you have to, like, a good pitcher is, well, a good hitting pitcher is well below the league average hitter. So it's like, oh, yeah, I love strategy so much that I want to see the pitching slot go over for every single game so that, you know, once every third game I get to see a hint of strategy. It's like, come on. I want to see the best players hitting, and half the time the pitchers are not even, you know, up there with any actual chance of getting a hit. Um, I rewatched a game from 2018 today because I needed baseball, and Tyler Malley was up, and there was like a perfect situation to get an RBI, and the announcer was just like, oh, yeah, you just got to swing the bat here no matter what and just hope for a bloop. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I love baseball. You just got to <laughs> – man, I really – that's really going to make my day. And I was like, come on, man. So this DH is fun. Um, the Reds have plenty of awful fielders that could slot into the DH. Um, I think Castellanos would be probably the DH. Um, you could fit Votto in there to give him – days off in the field or whatnot. I mean, there's the list goes on. Aquino, Winker. Winker. I mean, you could really put a lot of players in there. You could get interesting trying to, you know, maybe in the future, Moustakas could play DH or whatever. Move him to first, follow DH. You know, there's so many options. Um, I am for the DH, but I don't want to hear how you all, uh, what what your opinion is on it. Yeah, I'm for the DH. The the only pitcher I get excited about coming up to bat is – Michael Lorenzen, right? Because every once in a while he jacks a bomb. But yeah, a relief pitcher who doesn't get many chances and will come in to hit exactly. as a pinch hitter. And still, what what's his line like? Two twenty two, two seventy, or I'm just making numbers off the top of my head. But I did. Someone had that argument. It's like I want to see Lorenzen hit. I'm like he will still play the outfield if that's the case. He'll, he is fine, but yeah. he's still a below average hitter. He's just good in terms of pitchers that hit and of course they were like oh no we love the pitchers hitting man i love seeing them hit. Okay. no you're and it, it, you're great i mean that's a it's a once in a blue moon when we get to see that so yeah dh is fine with me i mean it might help us score some more runs to be honest with you and it could actually extend the longevity of joey Votto. the only comment i have on the dh being universal and this kind of playing to a little bit of what your the argument against it was um the National League versus American League, there's no there's no reason in the entire world that there should be different rules for the different leagues as far as it goes. They're all on the same pay scale. They're all in the same, like, a pitcher for the American League doesn't make any more than a pitcher for the National League or vice versa. Like, the whole thing is stupid as far as having different rules. So whether you're going to do a DH in the American League, that's fine. Then do it for the National League also. Or if you're going to have the National League pitchers hitting, you should also be doing that for the American League. On the counter side of all of it, these guys are making so much money as far as pitchers go, more than position players, generally speaking, as far as the amount of time they're on the field and just relatively speaking in general. Um, with the amount of money that you put into pitching, there's no reason you put pitchers out there in front of a, 
moving ball that's coming at them at 100 miles an hour. I think it would be interesting. You know, everyone's always, oh, we need to see, you know, the people that are for, I'm like, all right, let's take a poll of every NL pitcher and ask them, do you want to hit or would you rather just focus on pitching? I would be really interested to see how many of the players like, yeah, man, I would love to go up there at bat because they're, you know, they want to win the game. If that means they don't have to hit and a much better hitter gets to hit for them, then hell yeah, they want the DH. You know, they they would much rather have I – mean, I don't want to speak for every pitcher, but, I mean, they obviously want the best result for the team and for them to earn a win. That would be having a professional hitter hit for them. I mean, but at the same time, you're putting out a Clayton Kershaw. You're putting out a Luis Castillo for your Reds fans. You're putting out – Dave, Dave Price probably not a good one, although he's making a ton of money, so maybe you do want to put him thirty-one out. million. Um, but you know, you know what I mean. Like you're putting out these expensive guys, and at what cost? Like because if they get hit by the pitch or, or get injured, take an errant ball off of a, a even trying to bunt, take an errant ball off of off the hand, you're out. And this happened before. It's not like it's completely uncommon. For a pitcher to get hit by a pitch, to be to take one off the hand, or have something happens sliding, like there's no reason for these guys to be out there doing these things that you know even regular players get injured. So why put your you know somewhere between roughly ten and thirty million dollar guy out there, especially a guy that you need every five days, doing things that you probably don't even do. Yeah, nobody's. So, the ballpark saying you know I just can't wait to see Luis Castillo hit no one's saying that just let's save everybody's time let's just you know move on and the people that are complaining I mean this was kind of coming we all saw it coming just live it gonna change just keep pushing forward obviously you saw some of that with uh, Michael Lorenzen unfortunately that this is so close to home um, but you also saw some of that with Shogo, uh, not Shogo, I'm sorry, um, but Shohai uh, out in Anaheim. Um, so you saw some of these things happening with literally, I think there's maybe three or four pitchers who can actually hit the damn ball worth mentioning. So, yeah, to your point, no, no, not many people are going to the stadium to say they want to see a pitcher. Right. Unless you're talking about Chris Archer and you're talking about a whole different. In any case, uh, that's not six feet apart, so we can't talk about that. Um, another rule. The 30-man roster has to be cut down to 28 by the 15th day of the regular season, down to 28 from 28 to 26 on what they're phrasing differently for some reason, the 29th day of the championship season, and there are no September call-ups. Um, obviously, we knew there were not going to be September call-ups since there was no AAA, and we could have probably an entire podcast about the fact that there are no AAA and all of that mess because um, they were trying. I mean, Manfred was trying to get rid of. You know, gonna, we're going to talk completely about Manfred later. Um, so <laughs> we're going to get into that. But um, thirty to twenty-eight by the fifteenth day, twenty-eight to twenty-six on the 29th day of the championship season. I don't know why there's a difference between regular season at 15 and apparently you're in the championship season on the 29th day when you realize if you're actually making a run or not, apparently. I don't know. Um, because 
later on. I would I would later find out in my research that I believe um, the uh, that twenty nine when you cut down to twenty six is um, what your playoff roster is supposed to be. Right. Um, this is the this rule just like screams Mark Payton once again rule, rule five guy if. You know, you could keep them on a little bit longer. You could have that extra outfielder. Not that the Reds are struggling with outfielders, but um, he'll get a you get a better look at him. Uh, you can, you know, the whole pace of play thing. I mean, you're probably gonna have a lot more pitchers on the roster and changing them out. I mean, it's just gonna be interesting. The 60 game season, not to get off topic, but the 60 game season is gonna be unlike any other that we expected this year. And strategy is gonna come into play. It's really going to be David Bell's like, okay, how good of a manager are you? Let, let's see what you got. Let's see what you can do. Um, here's your chance. He manages like a game seven World Series every game, and this is a perfect fit for that because it really is a marathon sprint. And I'm actually kind of excited about it. I know a lot of people are complaining about it. I think 60 games is going to be really freaking fun, and it's going to make baseball different, and it's going to make managing different, and we're going to see something that we've never seen before, and all we can do is embrace it. We're not going to change anything. Um, this is just kind of the hand that we're dealt, and you just got to play with it. So as we're talking about the uh, different players on the roster, you can bring up to three taxi squad players on road trips with your team. One has to be a catcher, or at least defined by a catcher prior to this season. Uh, you can those players can also work out with the major league club, but cannot be in uniform or in the dugout during games. Although the dugout is going to be expanded to more than just the dugout this year, um, as we'll talk about here in a little bit. And then after the road trip, after the road trip, the taxi squad players have to return back to the alternate training site, which for the Reds is in Mason, Ohio. Uh, that makes for some interesting dynamics as well. Obviously, assuming for injury or because you don't have call-ups and what have you um or in the case where maybe something's rained out and you get that additional player for a back-to-back -back, uh, because you still do get that additional player uh it'll be interesting to see what the reds do with that uh, those taxi squad players yeah um kyle farmer is the perfect example of somebody who is a catcher and can catch we've seen him play second short first I mean, you can kind of play all around. So he's somebody who's definitely going to be interesting. And um, it's weird how he's looking like one of the better parts of the trade with the Dodgers every day that goes by. And I, I've always been a big Kyle Farmer fan, so I'm probably much higher on him than most people are. But um, he's somebody who's going to bring ver versatility to this team, and he's going to see – I think he's going to get plenty of at-bats. Um, it's not like there's a lot of other catching options. You know, you have your Casale and your – Barnhart at the two main catchers. Everyone wants to talk about Tyler Stevenson. Um, I would love to see him get an opportunity. He's at that age now where he's going to start, you know, he's he's no longer the 20-year-old who we're waiting for. He's somebody who I thought would get the later part of the season the, this year with the Reds. So with the 60 games, he may be ready to go. You know, these are things we don't know as much as the coaching staff does. We don't get to see it. Um, so he is somebody who could be interesting as well. So because COVID, we do have spitting banned. Um, 
which includes saliva, any type of seed, or peanut shells, also tobacco, which is going to destroy some people mentally. As somebody who partakes in nicotine, I am well aware. Um, and then also, uh, gum is allowed. Double bubble. Do you think that's actually going? Do, do you think that's actually going to have an impact on these players? I want to know what baseball player is walking around with a bag full of peanuts and shelling out peanuts. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I everyone, like caught me. Uh, that's like I was like laughing when I saw that as well. But yeah, the no spitting thing. I mean, enforcing that is going to be in- interesting to say the least. Um, that is difficult though, especially these players who dip and whatnot. Like the majority, um, yeah, I. I really don't know how that's going to go, but I'm gonna. It's going to be funny to see that enforced, and whoever the guy is, you know, spitting the peanuts, hot, trying to hide his peanut shells and whatnot. But yeah, um, Ed, Ed, what do you think about that? Are they going to get ejected if they get caught, uh, like, like spitting, you know, at the mound or something like that? Zero tolerance. So zero tolerance for spitting on the field. Okay. So are they going to get ejected? Like I said, I mean, zero tolerance, I, I would assume that means zero tolerance because that, that's going for a couple different things as far as arguing with umpires, whether that be for a manager or player. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a right fielder that's out there just, you know, has a little bit of saliva in his mouth and just out there spitting that they're going to eject him. But at the same time, like, if you've got zero tolerance, zero, just zero tolerance. What do you do? But it, these guys have just been used to just doing these things. So, Somebody swallows a bug out in the outfield and try to spit it out, and all of a sudden, now we've lost our right fielder. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that David Bell is going to have a lot to prove this season in terms of his managing. Knowing him, he's going to get within six feet of an umpire. He's going to get within <laughs> a few games. He may only end up managing four games this year, a little bit between the engines. <laughs> from spitting and bumping umpires. I mean, what the hell? But if you think about it, I mean, this spitting thing, you know how superstitious baseball players are. So many of them in the box will spit, pitchers yeah. will spit. I mean, or you'll just see a lot of people in the field with the glove. Well, you I mean, know, that's another thing, too. Like that, that's my next rule is pitchers can't lick their fingers anymore. Like, that's just a habit that they do. They're not allowed to lick their fingers, but they can have a small wet rag in their back pocket for moisture for the ball <laughs> first off Trevor Bauer pulls out the hide, rag again how do you not hide like a rosin in the or like um, not rosin but a pine tar in that in that rag unless they're checking it every time you go back out to the field but you know I mean again just to superstition these guys don't know what it's like to not lick their fingers every time just to rub the ball now you're gonna have a rag like that's, I don't. And then the rag gets dry, and we have to bring the ball boy out to bring him a new wet rag. It's just gonna be ridiculous. Then the, yeah, then the ball boy probably can't touch the rag, and then there's gonna be a delay. <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to like, throw the rag six feet away to the ball boy. I mean, it's just gonna be something else. Sam, the eagle from the zoo, is gonna have to fly down from the smoke smokestacks and pick up the rag and take it back up to the announcer's box and. It's, and then I was, uh, we were talking, they were talking about this on, uh, uh, craft brews sports, uh, which is a podcast that the friends of ours, um, and 
I brought up that they would have to argue the calls from six feet, uh, six feet apart from each other. Um, he said, one of them said that there was some league, like a soccer league or something like that, where when, when the coach wants to argue with the official, somebody runs out of nowhere with this big plastic screen and stands in between them while they argue so that the spit and whatnot doesn't get on each other. So that would be a cool position if the Reds want to hire me to be the person who holds that piece of plexiglass. I feel like I could probably make a f- 60 games this year, you know, 30. I, I think they should just have a plexiglass box. Oh, yeah, they argue in. Like, if the manager's there waiting, then the umpire has to come over and he can argue them. Do they put a plexiglass in between the catcher and the umpire so that, you know, when the umpire's yelling strike, <laughs> nothing, you know, gets on the catcher's helmet or anything like that? He has to uh, oxyclean his neck after every Oxy- half inning. Yeah, it's probably going to happen. Um, so I know it's been widely talked about as far as players during the game. So where do the players have to be when they're in the dugout and not on the field? And then kind of building on that, I know like a first base, like no one's allowed to talk to each other when they're on the base. Uh, the first base coach has to apparently yell to the guy. So no, there are no secrets anymore. If you're trying to steal signs, good luck. Um, because they're just being yelled out at this point. They could talk to each other, right? You just put you just put like a Canadian face mask on Joey Votto, you know, just while they're talking to each other. You know? Shooting the shit. I don't know. Yeah, so are the player the players with this expanded roster, some are going to be, like, in the stands? Is that what you were saying, Aaron? Is that right? Um, they're not allowed to be in the dugout, so maybe they'll be in the clubhouse. Maybe they'll be in the stands. Um, I know the way that the initial – like, one of the early – one of the early uh, ways that the league had addressed the players is you were going to – you couldn't have players within six feet of each other, and there's not enough room in the dugout, so you were actually going to have players in the stands – that okay. weren't actually playing. Like if you weren't if you weren't actively playing, if you weren't, you know, one of the guys in the nine positions, and you would have to be in the stands and come around. But they were also at that point in time talking about doing it in Arizona and in Florida. So I don't know if that actually came to fruition. But where are the other players supposed to go if you're not allowed to be within six feet? I don't know. No, okay, I'm okay with that. Actually, now that you mention it, thinking it through in my head. Uh, remember back in Little League when you were sitting on the bleachers and you would just start yelling things to the other uh, to the other team, you know, like we want a pitcher, not a belly itcher, stuff like that. Let's put let's put the players who are supposed to be in the dugout. Let's put them in the stands. Let's mic them up and let's let them ha- let's let them yell to the to the players. Right? How, how do you how do you get on the field if you get subbed in? It's walk down the steps. We could put something in there. I mean, they got a whole there engineering are no team. Steps from but, the. the- the we could build some. I mean, there's a whole team of people in that stadium. I mean, they got they, they, yeah. In the way. Okay, so there's a door on the net now, like in hockey. That's not I think it'd be awesome. Mic up the players. Like, let's let's make this a little bit of fun. I don't disagree with any of that. The players in the field should be mic'd up, but at that point, you have to worry about some other things coming out. But just be click on your dumb button. I mean, I can see it right now. Joey Votto sitting in the stands. Hey, get the bat off your shoulders, eh? Like, I can, I can see it. It's, I mean, I was trying to show respect for Canada today. Sorry. I, I feel uh, like you're trying to be racist against Canadians. 
Not at all. I love Canadians. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Joey Votto, um, we actually did have a question from somebody. Uh, I'm getting an echo in here. I'm going to move back out. But we did have a question from somebody about Joey Votto. Um, on the Twitter. Yeah, on, on the Twitter machine. Um, so <laughs> I just wanted to talk about Joey Votto for a minute because obviously he's a player that everybody loves for the Reds. Um, the question was pretty much what is Votto going to be this year? Um, it was asked by Sam Green, former roommate of mine, Atlanta Braves fan, so we can't really take too much from it. But Haters um, in the building. Yeah, um, I'm actually a hater too, I guess, because I don't think Votto has much left. I know a lot of people are caught up in this idea that Votto still has, you know, everyone assumes he's going to bounce back for some re- for some reason. Um, I just don't see it. I really don't. Um, you know, father time is undefeated, and he's not getting younger. Votto is simply, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but I don't, know why so many people I've talked to think he's going to bounce back to some type of MVP form. Um, hopefully we get better than we've had from him, but he's always been off to a slow start in many years. So, I mean, hopefully he can turn it around and prove me wrong, but um, I don't think that the Reds, when they're looking at projecting how this year's going to go, they're going to say, okay, yeah, we're going to get Votto. He's going to hit, you know, 300 with the 360 on base or anything like or, you know, what, whatever the stats people may say um, and I hate to say that because I do like Joey Votto but um, hopefully he can come back but I just I don't think that's something the Reds can bank on Votto being able to come out here and produce you know all star type numbers now the only counter I would have to that is was he slow because it was cold or was he slow because it was just early in the season and he hadn't gotten hot yet? Now, at the same time, you also have to consider everybody right now is rusty because nobody could really work out at all. You didn't have, like, some guys working out through the summer and some guys not working out through the summer. Uh, so everybody's rusty. You're gonna, and same thing with the NBA, same thing with the NFL. Like, you're, like when they talk about, oh, no, what's going to happen? Well, everybody's knocking off rust. Um so yeah, it, it's a, everything's a mess. COVID has wrecked everyone's lives, Major League Baseball players included. And I'm curious to see what a focused Joey Votto, who may or may not have been practicing, I would assume so that he's been practicing, much as many players have been. Um, but I, I think you're going to see him focus because that's not a, ever been a lack of his effort. And the fact that it is warmer now, the ball flies a little bit better as it is in these warmer months in GABP. I bring you Exhibit A, Vince Carter. The same Vince Carter that averaged like eight minutes a game? Okay, but the only thing that made him retire was COVID. I hate you, Ed. No, you don't. All right, so the next rule, the next rule. We go to a DH. (laughs) We go to a DH and we keep Joey Votto in. Extra innings. Okay. There is a now a player on second base uh, in extra innings, which is a brand new rule. The batter who immediately precedes the half innings leadoff hitter in the batting order. So say you're in the the fourth batter up in your lineup, and the number three was the guy who got out last. He's going to be the guy on second base. The runner who starts on second 
is for for uh, scoring purposes, he's there due to a fielding error, and no error is actually charged to the team or to a player. So it's like softball rules, right? Feels like it. Yeah, this is um, something that they've done in the minor leagues before, and a lot of people dislike it. A lot of people argue like it's not real baseball. Well, they do this in hockey where they play three-on-three and then a shootout. Three-on-three, you could argue, isn't real hockey, and a shootout is literally not hockey at all. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that, that that's a different topic for a different day. But um, for me, like, all right, the obvious thing – for those of you who like bunts, just bunt him over, and then, you know, you can score from third in a number of ways. Um, I don't hate it as much as most people. I'm kind of indifferent on it. Um, everyone always says, you know, baseball is the only sport that people leave during the overtime. And that's kind of true. I mean, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, extra innings. Um, so I'm not against changing it to the runner on second. Um it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Um, so I, mean, I, I, I know, know this, well, answer, I, Aaron, you may know this answer. Can you, if the runner advances to third, can you then pinch run for him or does he have to stay in the game? You can pinch run prior to the runner getting the second. Okay. He, he's subbed out at that point. It's the same as any other pinch runner. Okay. Um, on top of that, I wish I remembered the statistic that I read on Twitter because Twitter is a wealth of, either A, people making up statistics, or B, actual statistics that no one knows if they're true because most people make up statistics. Um, if it's on Twitter, it's true. There, there was <laughs> a stat that I read by somebody with a check mark for whatever that's worth. And I want to say it was over 70% of the games last year were decided in the 10th inning anyway that went into extras. And I, I really wish I could remember what that stat was. Um, so if anybody out there is listening and cares to actually correct us, feel free to send it to us at PTP Podcast, Cincy, right? Ed? That's correct. On the Twitter, yes. Thank you. All right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, if all the games are – I mean, the same thing is like football. Football doesn't even do real football if you want to talk about that. And that's the biggest sport in America. So, I mean, and college and, and pros played with two complete different set of rules for the post-regulation anyway. So who cares, man? Do what needs to be done. I'm still on board with um, what Stu Gatz and Dan Levitard have talked about, which is having basically a home run derby after nine innings. Like, just put your best yeah. guys out there, have your own whatever best top three guys you want to put out there on your roster, and ha- have at it. I'd be down. Okay, let, let's let, let's take that idea, only slightly change it. Take your worst three guys, three pitchers. <laughs> Everyone loves to see the pitchers hit. Let's do three pitchers. The other team gets to select. So if the Reds are playing the Brewers, the Brewers manager gets to select the three Reds pitchers for the home run derby. How about that? Let, let's just make it really awful. So we'll just be there the whole, I mean, the whole night. Just as long as you're right. not putting people out there to get injured, who cares? And get out of there within four hours. Anything over four hours, no one wants to stay up for an 18-inning game. No one. Well, I like to stay up for an 18-inning game every once in a while. That's that's a lie. So, Shut up. 
Uh, I do. I, I find it very entertaining. I open up the windows, got a nice breeze coming in, sitting there watching some baseball. I, I like it. As we're talking. As we're also talking about pitchers, let's not forget the three batter minimum that that rule is still in effect that went into effect prior to this season, prior to COVID even. But there is a three batter minimum for pitchers or you have to pitch to the end of a half inning. And that rule is still in place. Now, with that all said, there are no restrictions for position players pitching, which was supposed to have been a rule. So the rule that they had that was either supposed to be a position player could not pitch unless they were already deemed a two-way player, which I don't even want to get into that rule because that's absurd, um, and also could not pitch unless there was a lead or unless they were behind by six runs either way. Um, that rule went out the window, but we are keeping in the three batter minimum for pitchers, or you can pitch until the end of a half Bruh. Yeah, um, I understand why they did it because the pace of play thing. I still don't quite understand like where they came up with just the whole idea. Like, I mean, it's just so dumb. I mean, it eliminates the lefty specialist more or less. Um, so, like, you know, you well, let's say, oh, we'll use somebody who everyone knows. Wandy Peralta comes into a game and he has to try to get. Yikes! The, I mean, <laughs> golly. Can you imagine having to sit through that? Well, I mean, kind of on top of that, we're already no, like, God! we already put in that you're no God, you're, please no 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 no. I, I want to take away your soundboard. You love we it. already took away. <laughs> we already took away the fact that the, there's a DH now, so you don't have pitchers batting. So, on top of that, like, it shouldn't matter how long anybody pitches at this point in time. Like, just do that and put the actual pitch clock in effect. You have not ever enforced that pitch clock. You <laughs> had it out there. No one ever enforced it. Also, I'm not even sure they ever actually enforced how many times you went to the mound. Nobody gave a damn. So, enforce those things and have there actually be a... Calm have there down. actually be... A pitch clock in between pitches, 15 seconds. That's it. That's all it takes on MLB The Show. I'm trying to eat a chip, and I don't even have time to do that in between pitches on MLB The Show because the pitch is already coming from the computer. What's the difference? You don't have a pause button? You're welcome. If you hit pause, you can eat your chip, and then you won't have to worry about that. I'm glad I just solved the world problems for you. Didn't I? Clay, do you have anything on any of this? Um, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there are no fights. Got no fights, zero tolerance, as all players and umpires have to maintain social distance. There is immediate ejection if you do break the social distance. Um, also, possible fine and or suspension. Um, kind of building on that same rule in the social distance rulings, uh, the lineup cards are no longer to be presented before games because whoever cared about that anyway but they're now going to be submitted through an app. I hate COVID. 
Yeah, the lineup card thing is something for Ed to collect in his basement. Other than that, you know, I don't really care about that either. I mean, I don't even know why they really did it. I mean, it doesn't really make a difference in the game, but Ed is showing his. It looks like the Cardinals versus the Red. Ed, Ed how, how about if you read the lineups for us there? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. Um, let's see. This game was on September 21st, 2017. Um, let's see. Hitting first. Looks like we had Shebler, everybody's favorite. It was a terrible game. Co- it, it was a horrible game, actually. Cozart, Votto, Jeanette, Winkler, uh, Irvin, Barnhart, and um, uh, Kevlahan? His, his name is Winker, not Winkler. I said Winker. Patrick, Patrick Ke- Kevlahan, uh, every time he played, they always mentioned that he played for Rutgers for some reason. Oh. And then Homer and the Bailey was pitching. Replaced Probably the same reason they, that Tom always, always talks about Shebler being from Middletown. We actually really lost that game big time. Who was on the Cardinals lineup there? Well, we had Carpenter, uh, Pham, <laughs> uh, Fowler, Martinez, Molina, DeJong, Wong, Grigchuk, and uh, C. Martinez. Carlos Martinez, the outfielder? Yeah. No, he was betting ninth. No, he was the pitcher, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on, because no <laughs> one cares about lineup cards. Ed, well, if they don't uh, have a lineup card, they can't sell this to me for thirty bucks. August, they still can. It'll just be printed off in the app. August thirty first is the trade deadline. Um, what do you think that that is going to mean for this season? Do you think anybody's even going to make trades? I have literally zero idea. Um, I mean, how much can you really tell? I mean, you hope if you're a player and you're a player that is on the last year of a contract, typical like sign, like for instance, the first name that came to mind, this is an awful example, but like a Matt Kemp signs with Miami this year or whatever. He's kind of hoping to get some playing time and get moved to a contender, right? You're just kind of hoping that like you have a really hot couple weeks because then you could be moved before you come back down to earth um so i'm sure some players like you know that may get moved but i mean i really don't know if there's gonna be those big blockbuster type deadline moves i mean once again this well, is something we've never seen before so it's really hard to predict um not, not only that clearly the owners are really worried about their payroll right exactly really yeah i didn't payroll. even bring that up yeah that, that's a great point um Aaron, so no one's gonna be no one's gonna be looking to take on more payroll right, right. All of this, everyone's going to be sellers. <laughs> Literally, everyone's going to be sellers. I mean, you got, I mean, even looking at the Reds' contracts, you've got a guy like Cassianos, who you think is in a good contract, that he can opt out in the first two years. Um, but there's no way in hell he's going to opt out in the first two years, given that you don't even know what free agency is looking like between this year and next year, right? Right. Right, exactly. So that, that deal is looking really good for the Reds at this point. Well, then think about considering like, it. Think about like Moose, right? We put, I mean, the Reds put a lot of money into a couple one-year players this year to make a run this year, and now we only get them for sixty games. And you know, Moose is a four-year player. I thought he only signed for one year. Or he, uh, four years at sixteen million. Oh, okay. Well, then good. Never mind then. 
keep swinging. Yeah. We'll hit eventually. Whatever. Um, on top of, on top of that, September fifteenth is that playoff eligibility date. Um, the IL this year changed from you have either a ten day or a forty five day. Uh, at, this year is going to be 10 or 45 as opposed to last year's 10 and 60 day. Um, and I believe if I read it correctly, the minimum time on IL for pitchers is now 15 days and not 10 days. Um, and then you also have a COVID-19 list for positive tests in addition to your standard IL. I'm still worried about that because one guy gets COVID-19 and now – all the players have to be in a 14... Like, anybody he's been in contact with have to be in a 14-day quarantine, right? Nope. Not if they don't test positive. So, real-life example, my mom's... Uh, someone my mom works with um, tested positive for COVID, and the CDC uh, made her... She took the test, came up negative, but still made her 14-day quarantine. The problem with the tests is they're not always accurate. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I can't get into like if you can carry it or whatever. I don't know, but it will be interesting to see how that's all handled once that first case happens. I mean, what happens if you know the Reds get going and 13 players test positive? Then what? I mean, at that point, you know, the season—if that's the way it's going to go—this season will just be canceled most likely. If that, you know, if it's going down that path. and like we said to begin the show, I think Aaron said, you know, we aren't even sure if we're going to get this thing going. We just simply, there's just simply a plan. That's a very good point. I mean, we so far in the NBA, I think there's only been five, maybe a handful of players that have put, tested uh, positive, and they were supposed to start so testing. getting back together. Yeah, like they were supposed to start testing last week, I think. So, I mean, so far, but you're right. Once they get all get back together, who knows, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, I know... You know, PTP starts this weekend, and last last week the West Virginia team had we, to. We're PTP. That's TBT. Oh, that's what I meant to say. TBT starts this weekend, and last week um, West Virginia had their first practice, and after the practice, one of the players tested positive, so the whole team was out. So, I mean, you, you might see that happen. Well, I mean, again, we there is a complete. Baseball has been more proactive with testing than anybody to this point. They had 100,000 people, I believe, prior to even months before they even had a deal in place. Um, and that included family members and that included staff and that included a lot of other people like as being a, a basically a test host for all of this. Um, my question is, as we kind of get away from some of the COVID stuff, is the minimum IL time for pitchers being 15 and not 10 and the IL stints going from 10 to 45 or 10 and 45 from the 10 and 60. Is that going to make a difference? Clay? Um, I'm not really sure how much of a difference that will make. Um, it will be something to keep an eye on. If a player is, you know, in the past, if they were out for, you know, let's say they're going to be out for, 20 days or, or, or 40 days, then you have to put them on the 60. And um, so hopefully you'll see players who are, can come back sooner. Um, but that's just one of those things we have to wait and see. 
Now, another thing I want to bring up as we're talking about rule changes and the roster and the schedule and all that, um, we, we haven't gotten into the schedule, but one of the things that I was kind of considering, we're not going to have an all-star game this year at all. Do you think we're going to have all-stars announced at the end of the season then, or how do you think that all plays out? Because I assume that there's still going to be hardware and there's still should there be a full season. Um, yeah. And you... I imagine there's probably still bonuses that heavily rely on that type of stuff. They actually released the All-Stars already, and it simply is Matt Latos. That's the only All-Star this year for some reason. I'm not sense. sure why, but it's it's probably so Ed can buy a Matt Latos All-Star t-shirt. Or sell his autograph. Uh, I, but this, this coming from the same guy who smokes cigars in his backyard with Matt Latos behind a tree. All right, but for real. What are we doing about this All-Star Game stuff? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, we talked about that er- earlier, and I really don't know what they're doing. I'm, I'll try to see if I can find anything on it. but um, Mostly because, I again, I assume that there's bonuses that rely on this type of stuff. That's a possible, yeah. But maybe they'll just do like a senior superlative at the end of the year. I hate you. Uh, uh, dead the series, schedule. Though. The schedule. Um, workouts started today. Uh, I know the Reds posted at least one video. Uh, Jesse Winker just cracking balls. Love to get that sound back in that stadium. Uh, the season starts July 23rd. There are 10 teams in the NL Central. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 teams in the Central Division. Uh, four in the NL, well, five in the NL, including us, four other teams. Uh, the Reds are set to play on their schedule. 40 games against division rivals, 20 games against regional rivals. They will play no other games. So you're not going to see any other National League teams outside of the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Pirates. I always forget about them because they are forgettable. 20 games against the regional teams, which would be the Indians, the Tigers, the – help me out here – let me see if I can pull it up. AL Central teams? Not even used to. I would imagine the Astros? Are we going to get to plunk the Astros? We have to. Like that, that has to be an opportunity for us this year. I don't see how you, how you can let that go by. I'm trying to see if I can find the list. I'm not seeing it right off the quick search. I'm seeing a lot of kin... Ken Griffey highlights though. Um, the White Sox, the Tigers, the Royals, the Indians, and the Twins. Also, that, in my opinion, you know, getting to play the Pirates and you know the the Central, and then you know the Tigers, and that could bode well for the Reds. Um, obviously, you have to play other teams that are talented as well, but. In a 60-game stretch, they were talking about today, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about, you know, hey, the Reds started off, what, what was the last year? They had like an eight-game lose, losing streak or something. And that would be equivalent to like losing 24 straight games in a Oof. in like this season. So, I mean, you can get on a hot streak. And, I mean, everybody's in it this year. I mean, if you talk about like even teams that kind of suck and we don't think have any chance of – making a move this year like the Pirates. Well, let's just say the Pirates get off to a five or six game, you know, right, right off the bat win. I mean, they're in it. 
there's right. so few games. It's exciting. It's it's something that you don't get to experience in baseball. So it's going to be fun to watch just for, for that aspect of it. Yeah, it's almost like, um, you know, like football, right? 18 games in a season, you know, game two, game three actually matter. Um, so, like, you know, in, in baseball, you know, March and uh, April don't really matter, but now, you know, now the beginning of the season is going to matter. It's going to be kind of, it's going to be really fun. Well, and I'm looking at Vegas odds right now, and the Vegas odds favorite is the Yankees at plus 400. Well, I don't know how it's the Yankees at plus 400. I don't know why they list number one, and the Dodgers are at plus 325. Uh, oh, because they just list them. They, there is no rhyme or reason to their list. I hate everything. I don't understand uh, I gambling. So I believe COVID. I'm, I'm just blaming COVID. You should. Um, the Reds, the Reds are at plus twenty five hundred, um, and that's between that's behind teams in our division anyway. Uh, the Cardinals being at plus twenty two hundred, the Cubs being at plus twenty two hundred, even though we're projected to by many people to finish the season above the Cubs. I hate the Cubs. Um, the Astros. I hope they all get hit. Uh, they're at plus one thousand. Uh, the Yankees are a plus 400. The Dodgers are a plus 325. Thank God we aren't going to even have to see the Dodgers in the regular season. Um, and I don't know that they have a better 1-2-3 than we do as far as pitching goes at this point in time. Um, Amir Garrett said we have the hottest pitching in Major League Baseball right now. So It's just... Vegas is all over the place because they don't know what to do with this. We don't know what to do with this as fans. What do you do with this, Clay? I have no idea. I mean, Vegas is probably <laughs> I mean, right now, you. I mean, like I was just saying, it's really the first time ever that any team, even a tanking team, can win because it does not take that much to get out ahead. And at that point, it's anybody's game. I mean, 60 games, if you look at the Nationals who won it, they were, what, 19-31 and 31 at one point? I mean, you can really have the season. You can either take it or you can lose it so fast that it's going to be so weird and so obscure that I, I'm going to love it because of that. I mean, there is no taking games off. And um, a team that, like the Yankees, what if the Yankees get a big injury and lose five straight games or something? Like, then we'd well, have to do it worrying about them or I, I just think it's going to be one of those things that there's definitely going to be a awful team that makes it you know in the playoffs and it's it's, it's going to be fun it really is because more fans should be engaged um I, I mean just like like you said Ed, with football imagine if the football season was five games long yeah I'm yeah. just excited about how many games we're going to have against the Pirates and the Tigers yeah. <laughs> That's it, me. It, like I said, I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year. I mean, it's 60. I, I'll probably be glued to my seat the whole, even if the Reds somehow are not in it, I'll probably be glued to my seat. Cause this could be the first year that, well, not the first year, but this could be a year that I don't know, maybe the, maybe the fricking Florida Marlins can get in it. Who knows? It's just going to depend on what team gets hot early. So, as we talk about, like, the, the games actually finally being in a schedule, everything that happened prior to this was a mess. 
So you had the players versus like, and the, the union versus the owners and Rob Manfred. And you also had, of course, the agents. I'm looking at you, Scott Boraz, um, kind of talking through the players because Scott Boraz isn't getting paid. He's the ultimate arch enemy in all of this. He's not getting paid, though, unless the players are getting paid. So what was your take on all of the back and forth and why it was so public? Why it wasn't kept behind closed doors? Um, and then I have a follow-up question on that that is kind of me thinking outside the box as to how to fix this. Because this was a mess, right? Yeah, it was a complete mess. And obviously the players want to protect their money and the owners want to protect theirs. And that's where it just became this huge dispute of – you know, I, I, it kind of got to the point where the talks, in my opinion, it really had nothing to do with COVID at that moment. It was just kind of like, you know, the owners were saying, oh, well, we can really be cheap here. And then the players were saying, well, I don't want to play for less money or, you know, risk long-term injury. And they wanted it to get out to the media because that's how they decided they were going to kind of win their point was, oh, well, let's get out in the media first and see if the, pub, you know, the, the public will side with us. It was just a complete disaster and trying to get out through the agents. The agents are obviously just trying to make the most money they can for their players. That's their job. Um, so yeah, it, it was just a weird and sticky situation. Um, I think everybody was at fault. I mean, the owners were at fault trying to, it, it really felt like Manfred who we could go on forever about how much we dislike him, but it, they were going to put, 60 games the whole time. He never wanted more than 60 games, I feel like. And he was just, I mean, the whole thing was just delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying until he got the 60 games. Then, okay, we can do it now. Let's do it. Let's throw this together. And, oh, what? Now we're going to probably have to cancel it because it's going to be a second wave eight games in. So before we get to the question that I had for you then, uh, is Rob Manfred the worst commissioner in baseball's history well the answer in to that question is yes or baseball history because it's the same answer <laughs> this is the answer he's awful yeah, I, yeah. I, I really don't know like he's not even a baseball guy i mean we could complain all night about him and we don't want this to turn into that but um yeah he just i just don't feel like he really had what was best for the game i mean you had an opportunity to play and baseball is not exactly – the average fan's 58 years old. Right. It's not something you – know, you had an opportunity to catch the nation's attention while nothing else was going on, and instead of capitalizing on that and working quickly, they delayed and argued over minor things. And if you look at other sports, hockey, basketball, football, they were coming up with plans, and they had a plan they were ready to execute, and baseball is sitting here kicking their feet, and now we have – you know, you're going to have fans tune in for sure, and you're definitely going to have... I mean, Ed's a perfect example. He started watching NASCAR. I did. NASCAR. Because it had the opportunity to grab, you know, the nation or watching stuff. But now, once started, then baseball's going to have to compete with... It's going to be college football, NFL, and people are going to tune in. NBA. Realize other things that they want to watch. So, then, I'm also getting I guess into the next Australian qu- rules football. Sorry. 
What? No one knows. Well, you're talking with food in your mouth. I don't know what you said. You talked over me. I said I'm also getting into Australian rules football. You can stay in Aussie. Okay. So the question I had, though, is the commissioner is literally paid by the owners to run base. To me, it seems like it's going to be impossible. It would it would be like the president being on one side of the of the of the aisle and never coming to the other side because he there's no incentive to, right? And without getting into too much politics at all. What how like I guess my thought process is would it not be better to have basically an arbiter and to have somebody who was kind of not being paid by the the owners and not being represented by the MLBPA, but kind of somewhere in between and making decisions for literally just baseball and not in one person's pocket. And I don't know how you, how you find that person and how you get to a point where that person is not being paid by one side or influenced by the other side. But much in the same way that we have judges who do this type of stuff for people who aren't on any other side, maybe you get somebody who's not baseball affiliated whatsoever to make these types of decisions for the game. So coming from the legal world background that I come from, there's people who are paid to do that. There's people who are paid to be arbitrators um, to literally not have an opinion, right? I'm sure you can find, you know, somebody out there who has no opinion either way if the owners or the um, players win in this. And But I think Robert Manfred was trying to be that person, and it just was impossible. He was trying to be the arbitrator between the, the owners and the uh, and the players. He couldn't do it, though, because it, it, it doesn't work that way. And it, that's just another when you're fail. Being paid, when, you're, when you're being paid by all 30 organizations, you're never going to be. Right. It was just another fail on his part. I mean, it abs- you're, you're absolutely correct. We could have just gotten an arbitrator and gotten this, you know, kind of taken care of. That's my legal opinion. Yeah, I agree. It seemed like there needed to be somebody in between to kind of settle it. But, I mean, that's in the past now, and obviously that didn't happen. And it's got to move forward with what they have. So what, is this, what does this all mean for next year? We have guys who are under contract for just this year. I mean, I'm thinking, obviously, we've already mentioned the Nick Castellanos deal that he can opt out after this year. Uh, Trevor Bauer, who has no clue what his future looks like. Um, those are the first two free agents that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Um, I'm not sure who else might be missing in just quick thinking. But yeah. um, Rule 5 guys and, and guys who are under uh, um, arbitration and what have you anyway, just because they're young. Um, this is a mess to actually count as a full season and even more so a mess for MLB not wanting to bring up guys who may, they may lose a year of being in the big leagues on 60 games. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, somebody like Castellanos, Nick Castellanos are probably just opt in because the market is going to be really bad because no owners are going to really know what they're going to have to spend. And, it's going to be a historically bad free agent year. Um, somebody like a Anthony DiScafani will probably he he could be brought back much easier than he would have been if this was a typical year, I would assume, because um, he he'll be up for a deal too. Rather or not they want to do that, that's a different topic. But um, yeah, it's going to be weird trying to figure out what they're going to do with contracts, and teams are definitely going to be money shy. So what does a Trevor Bauer do? Does he 
you know, first off, he has to pitch well. He's going to have a few starts, and if he shows that he's dominant, is he going to headline the class of free agency? Because he's somebody who's always said he wants to do one-year deals. Does he change that mindset? Does he say, okay, maybe I want to stay in Cincinnati and take a whatever kind of discount or whatever may happen? Or is he going to say, I don't care, I'm just going to go out there and demand this money? And somebody like him, I could see doing that and saying, you know, let, let's, you know, I'm still worth as much money regardless of this season. Um, so that's going to be something that, I mean, I, I think everyone's asking these questions, players, agents, owners included. No one really knows what's going to happen with the free agency class or what type of money people are going to be able to demand. And right now, you know, these are great questions that we all wish we had answers to including the players, owners, and agents. As we talk about questions we don't have answers to, um, no one knows who's going to be opting out. And thus far, the complete list of players who have opted out include Mike Leake, formerly of the Cincinnati Reds, uh, who is 32. He's giving up $5 million to sit this one out. Um... Ryan Zimmerman is uh, 35, and he is opting to sit this one out. Uh, he was going to make, uh, it looks like $740,000, which sounds hard. I don't, that doesn't sound right. Maybe, maybe with the pro rate. Um, Joe Ross, 27 with the Nationals, so they're losing... Also, a pitcher, as well as uh, first baseman Ryan Zimmerman. And then Ian Desmond of uh, the Rockies, he's an outfielder and 34 years old. It's going to cost him $5.55 million. Um, and apparently, also service time, which I don't know how that works since he's 34. Um, well, I think with like the players opting out, um, it, the, that, that list will grow. Um, once, you know, like today it all starts, you know, the players are getting back together. I think, you know, in a week or two, what if we see a bunch of cases and you're a player that's kind of like, you know, well, like, like a Tucker Barnhart, for example, said he's in, but his wife's pregnant, I believe. And, um, you know, a lot of players will have family situations where they may not play because, their wife has some type of a disorder that she's more likely to get it than others. And um, I think a lot of players are opting out, right? Those players that you list, Aaron, are opting out. But also more will opt out, but they're kind of waiting until they see what happens. Um, once they kind of see how this spreads, how it's handled, how, okay, let's say the Reds all get back together. There's four cases. How are the Reds handling that? Once those four cases are handled, how does it spread after that? And then if it's kind of like a wildfire, you'll see more players opt out, which will just eventually lead, could lead to the season being canceled. Or players on other teams, for that matter, not even on the same team. Yeah. Right. Follow. Talk about some quarantine food. Every time you come on, I know we like to talk about food with you, Clay. So you haven't been able to get into a ballpark in a little while. How's food going for you, man? In, um, in so I, I did make a hot dog on the grill since quarantine <laughs> started, and I did load it up with everything in the fridge ahead. 
jalapenos, banana peppers. Um, I put like hot sauce on it, ketchup, mustard, anything I could find, which is the only way you should eat a hot dog. <laughs> Other than that, I haven't been going out to restaurants really, you know, so I just kind of throw stuff together because I, since I bought a house, I've been trying to save money. So I hate to say this, but I've been eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which I will go on to say is the best sandwich in the world. It's, yeah. There's a reason why everybody eats them. And it, it's a phenomenal sandwich. You could have that every single day. It's the best sandwich in the world. Most consistently <laughs> great sandwich. Um, been doing some turkey sandwiches too. Um, I've gotten to this weird, weird, this is very unlike me, but waffle thing recently too. I've been eating waffles, which it's a phase. It won't last. Don't worry. But make a peanut butter and waffles. jelly sandwich. Make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of the waffles. I do put peanut butter on my waffles. So I yeah I'll try that I'll I'll send you all a picture of that I'll do that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> hell, hell I may even do it tonight I don't know. Um, other than that I haven't tried anything crazy yet. Um, I did have the best dessert I've ever had probably. My girlfriend's mom made a blueberry peach cobbler that just like when you haven't been having much like great food and dessert recently and you have something like that I mean oh my gosh man. That was next level, but um, hopefully I get out. I've been craving wings. Like, I need wings, but I don't do takeout wings because they get too soggy. I don't care what the trick is you try. Wings, takeout, are not as good. No matter what type of trick you try with the takeout box, opening it up on the way home, whatever. It doesn't work. So I have been uh, dabbling. So I got a smoker right before the COVID started. And so within the first three weeks of COVID, I smoked a pork shoulder, and we've been uh, eating off of that for a little while, making pork tacos and pulled pork sandwiches and things like that. Uh, and then a couple weeks ago, I decided I wanted to try to make uh, smoked beef jerky um, on the smoker. Um, that So I did a, uh, being from Kentucky, uh, that you are, um, I did a Kentucky bourbon whiskey uh, smoked it was marinade and then smoked it on the smoker for a few hours. That came out amazing uh, for my drive down to Cumberland a couple weeks ago. And then I'm going to try this this weekend. It is going to be brisket burnt ends. Don't look at me like that, Aaron. It's delicious. It's basically the, so- basically the best part of a brisket, right? It's that crust. It's that uh, that that coating that you get on it in every bite. So if it's the best part in so amazing why don't you see people ordering that every time instead of just your typical brisket well here's the reason why clay and i'm glad you asked that question the reason why is because brisket smoke-ins are actually uh so they started when when barbecue places would barbecue throughout the week they would save these burnt ends uh this is back in the day they would save these burnt ends and they would sell them only on fridays and then demand got so big for them that now barbecue places are starting to make smoked or starting to make burnt ends an, an everyday uh, menu item uh, at their shops. So you will start seeing these. Um, In the same section with the cow tongues and the pig stomachs. No, do, nobody eats that. Well, Ed hmm. gets a smoker and three weeks later becomes a historian. <laughs> well, you got to research what it is you're going to cook, right? Like, I have to find out, you know, what's the... 
there's different parts of a brisket, right? You get the flat, you get the point, you get the fat. Like you got you got to figure out what part of that brisket you're gonna you're gonna cook, and so you know you got to do a little bit of research. So that's how All I right, did. So well, when when are you gonna try uh, to cook hot dogs on the smoker? Actually, my son asked me to do that not too long ago. I might do a Kentucky hot dog, which is just a full uh, bologna roll uh, that you throw on the. No. Yeah, that's no. what. <laughs> I don't want that associated with Kentucky in any way. It's. I mean, it is. I'm sorry. It's, it sounds like it sounds like it's just a, a hot dog put with every condiment you can find in your refrigerator. That's a Kentucky dog. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Um. I, I will say my quarantine find, um, instead of tortillas, um, they now sell, at, at least at Costco, I've never seen them anywhere else, um, Parmesan rolls, and yeah. you just put, uh, last night we had uh, buffalo chicken and basically made it like a taco with buffalo chicken in a, in a Parmesan roll. It was incredible. It actually sounds really good. Have you yeah. had the Parmesan um, chips? Uh, yeah. Yeah, those are yeah, You can't have too many of those, but they're pretty good too. This is my favorite. All right. Topic. Well, um, Clay, thank you for being on with us tonight. I appreciate your time, sir. Uh, happy to be back on because it's been what four weeks, three weeks, four weeks since we last yeah, recorded an episode. Yeah. So thank you for sticking around with us for damn near two hours. With that all said, for Ed, I'm Aaron. We out. Peace.